Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 4. Pastor John, I know this story. These two boys are born, Cain and Abel. When's the last time we really looked at it? Word for word, every phrase. When's the last time we thought about it? The Bible says that, uh, that, the, that the, the words are, are important and for, for a purpose. What's up? Uh, well, I'm having a hard time quoting it now. All Scripture, that's what I was looking for. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Not, not most Scripture, not the easy parts, not the, the ones that everybody memorizes, but all Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So when we look at a passage of Scripture such as this, there's a reason why God put that phrase in there, why He put that word in there. And oftentimes we say, well, I learned that back when I was in second grade or third grade. And so we, we tend to not focus on it any longer. Well, shame on us. Well, there's always things we can grow. There's always things we can learn from the Word of God. Amen? And the Bible say that it's a, a living book, that it's, it's quick and powerful. Doesn't it, doesn't it say that in Hebrews? That word quick means alive. That we can read a passage so many different times and we get something different out of it each time because God makes application in our hearts as we read the Word of God. It's interesting that here we are in Genesis chapter 4, very early in the Scriptures. And already, Brother Howard, already in Genesis chapter 4, we see man-made religion. We see man trying to come to God his own way. What a shame. Right after God created everything, and right after He laid it all out and He gave Adam and Eve the perfect perfect setting in the Garden of Eden. And they sinned, and their children then make up their man-made religion. At least one of them does. Let's look at this now. Let's go down through this and understand this passage here for a moment. I'm in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. The Bible says, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived, and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Now, Consider that for a moment. She's not saying that by accident. She's saying that on purpose. Do you remember the promise that she received in Genesis chapter 3? Do you remember that promise? As soon as they sinned, as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, God came to them and said, I'm going to give a seed to the serpent. And I'm going to give a seed to the woman. And they're going to be at enmity with one another. Right? You remember that? And the woman's seed is going to bruise the head of the serpent. And the serpent's seed is going to bruise the heel of the woman's seed. What that is right there is that is a promise of the Savior to come. Amen. Jesus Christ would conquer sin and death and hell. He would conquer the devil and all his ways and and all his uh, sinful uh, trying to get man to go his way and and in sin. And And Jesus Christ would conquer all that. Notice again, Cain, the, when, when she says, and bear Cain, it's important for us to understand what these words mean, what these names mean. Cain means acquisition. Cain, the, the name Cain means to, I acquired something, I got something. What's she saying? I've gotten a man from the Lord. 
Now, Brother Gwen, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I try a little bit. And I try to understand. I try to look these things up. And in the Hebrew here, when she says, I've gotten a man from the Lord, the Lord there is the Hebrew word, the Hebrew name Jehovah. Okay? And that in that Hebrew there, it's pointing to the fact that she literally thought that this was Jehovah. She says, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And we could even say in our English, it's possible with the way the Hebrew points it, to say, I've gotten a man, even the Lord. She thought that that promised seed had already come when her first boy was born. She's living in faith, looking and thinking about this promise, that there is coming a Savior for her sin. Consider that. Eve took of that fruit and introduced sin into the world. Do you hear that, ladies? The, the women introduce sin into this world. <laughs> Amen. I'm just having fun with you. Okay. But she introduced, she introduced the sin in the world, and she is now carrying that guilt of that, that weight of that. And she, understanding the promise that God has given her, that she would have a, an offspring, she would have a child. It literally says in, in, in Genesis 3 that he would bruise the head of the serpent. It's talking about a male child. And she's looking at that when she had Cain, she thought he was it. Well, certainly the Lord promised this, it's going to happen. And she, she uh, thought, she believed when she said that, that acquisition that I have gotten a man from the Lord. Now, some people through time have believed these two men to be twins. That Cain and Abel would be twins. You say, what? I've never heard of that before. Some people believe that. For a time, I believed that. If you look at here in the first verse, it says, and it says, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain. And then verse 2, and she again bare his brother Abel. One conception, two births. That means twins, doesn't it? Okay? And for a time, I believed that perhaps that would be the case. But when I began to study their names and what these names meant, I don't believe that anymore. Okay? The, the name Abel, when I looked that up, it means emptiness. It means vanity. And I thought, what? How can that be? Here you have Cain, right? Goes his own way, does it his way, kills his brother and all that. Acquisition is what she named him. And then you have, you have Abel, who would be the, the son that would do it right, and his name means vanity. <coughs> Excuse me. I believe the reason for that is because when she had her first boy, she said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. Here's the seed that God promised me. But she quickly learned that that was not the case. Right? Cain would not be a man that followed uh, after the Lord's will and what the Lord told him. He would not be a man of faith. The Bible talks about in the New Testament, again, it, it, it talks about Cain as, as uh, going false, going wrong, and, and going his own way. It does not talk about him very highly. And she says, I have not gotten a, a man from the Lord. So her next boy, she says, life without God is vain. You know what Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes? That life without God is vanity. All is vanity. And here, they used to walk with God in the Garden of Eden. They used to have God come down in the cool of the day and walk right alongside them. And now, the Adam and Eve are living life on this earth, absent of God's presence in their life. 
At least on that scale that they had in the garden. And here she thought that her firstborn son was going to be the one to redeem her from her sins and, and, and pay for that sin and, and, and conquer the, the devil and conquer that sin. But he wasn't. And now she's starting to realize that, man, life here without God is, is, is vain. I miss what I once had. There's an emptiness about me. There's an emptiness when I don't have God in my life, when I'm not walking in the Spirit and I'm just in the flesh. There's an emptiness about me. It's vanity. That's why I believe that these two boys, no longer do I believe that these would have been twins. Because I, I believe perhaps because of the, the, what their names mean that she learned, so learned a thing or two along the way. The Bible says, and she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of ground. I don't believe this is by mistake. I don't believe this is a coincidence that these two men had these two jobs. Consider that for a minute. Okay, In Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says that there was no man to till the ground. It says that God put Adam in the garden to, to keep the garden, but it literally says there was no man to till the ground, and the ground just grew. All right, And then after that, what was part of the curse? Part of the curse was that Adam would then work the ground, and he would sweat the sweat of his brow from working the ground. Wasn't that part of the curse in Genesis 3? It was. It was. And then... Uh, a couple of places here in Genesis 3. It's just one page back if you'd like to look. In verse number 18, it says, Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. They didn't eat the herb of the field before this. They ate the fruit of the trees. They were in the garden. They didn't work the ground. And now man will eat of the field. Interesting. And in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Verse 19. Alright, we know bread is grown, that, that, that wheat and all that, grown out of the ground, not off of the trees. Alright, in verse number, in verse number, let's see here. 22, I believe it is. No, that's not it. I had another verse in mind, and it just, it just left me. All right, amen. God must not want that. Amen. But it talks about sending him out of the garden and how he would have to go work the ground. All right? So I don't believe it's, it's far-fetched and, and, and a coincidence that Cain would be a man of the ground. He would till the ground. He would work the ground. Because that's what God said they're going to do now. Because of the curse, they're going to work the ground. Now, what about Abel? What about Abel and this keeper of sheep? You have all these animals, and yet here... Adam and Eve's offspring, right? The second generation on earth is now going to figure out that they got to keep sheep. I don't think this is by coincidence either. Because what were they supposed to do? Because of their sin, they're supposed to take a lamb. They're supposed to take a, a, a offspring of that sheep and sacrifice it for the Lord as a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ to come. Yes? And sheep, they would learn uh, very soon, needed to be tended to, needed to be a shepherd. Sheep can't just be left to their, themselves. They need a shepherd. And so uh, these two men learning very early that these were two jobs that must be done if I'm going to do right by God. And one for, for physical 
physical gain and physical help of eating. Right? They didn't have all the trees in the garden anymore. They were outside of the garden. The Bible says God planted every tree in the garden that was good for eating. It says that in Genesis chapter 2. But now they don't have that anymore. They don't have that anymore, so now they must work the ground. So Cain is working after that physical need that he has, but Abel, a keeper of the sheep, working towards that spiritual need that he has, right? That offering that must be done. That must be, must be given for the Lord. Let's continue through the text here. It says in verse 3, and, it, and in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. What does that mean? What's the fruit of the ground? Is it vegetables? I just want to, I'm going to give you a little side thought. This is free for you this morning. But Cain brought vegetables to God. Did God like them? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. I just want to bring that out for you. I just want you to see that, that God didn't like Cain's vegetables. Praise the Lord. God said, I like the fruit in the garden. Okay, amen. Bless God. And lamb chops. Amen. Okay. Meat and fruit. That's what he liked. Okay, good. Moving on. I just want you to see that. I didn't know if you'd seen that or not. I just caught that and I thought, man, I really need to, I need to have a, a family Bible study on this thing and teach my wife uh, that God doesn't like vegetables. Amen. Okay. I don't know how that's going to go over, but you pray for me. Okay, good. Verse 3. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. All right. Now, that could be vegetables. It could also be flowers, couldn't it? It could. It could also be herbs and such that grow out of the ground. Herbs would be sweet smelling and spices and things that would flavor things. So can you imagine Cain... He's, uh, he's working up this, uh, he's got this garden and he's, and he's got all these, these wonderful looking vegetables, if you call them that. Amen. Wonderful looking. And then, and then he's got flowers on it and he's got spices all about it, right? Amen. You, you doing okay over there, brother Will? I didn't dash your dreams here about vegetables, did I? You okay? Yeah, he's all right. All right, good. Amen. Amen. And then moving on. And, uh, and, and consider what he's bringing to God. He's bringing God the best of his best because he was a man of the ground. He, he probably didn't bring him the, uh, the, the rotten, nasty vegetables. He probably brought him the best of the best. He probably didn't just bring him just any old flowers. He brought him the best of the best. Cain was saying, hey, look at what I could do. And he brought that to God. Now let's continue. Verse 4. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Now, you've got to consider, we don't think about Jewish sacrifice very much. That's not in our, in our culture. That's not really anything that we've ever really done. But we, we think, we've got to think about it and see what's being done. He's built an altar before God. Okay, literally stones built up off the ground. And he's got a fire going on top of this. He's got it ready, prepared for the Lord. And he takes that lamb, think about it for a moment, he has to shed blood. Without the shedding of blood is no remission of sin. It's a picture of Jesus Christ to come, yes? He has to shed the blood. So he's holding this lamb, this, this firstling of his flock. There's a lot to be preached about right there, giving our first to God. Yeah, not our leftovers, not our second best. 
Not, not. God, I'll give to you once I've, once I've paid all my bills and I've had my fun for the month. Whatever's left over, I'll give to you. That's not what the Bible says. He says the first thing. First links. But actually, Proverbs teaches that in chapter 3. That as, as God gives us increase, we give out of our first fruits to Him. I take that very literally. Very literally. The first check that I write is to the church. It's before we go spend money and before we go buy our groceries and we do this and go eat out or whatever we do, I make sure that God's got His part. I take that very literally because I believe God is, is pleased when I give out of my first fruits. I don't, I don't tithe off my net. I tithe off my growth because I'm giving God first. The government doesn't get what's first. God does. And I take that very literally. That's my personal opinion there. And as the God says, give out of his first fruits there. And uh, as we see this here, he's giving, he's giving of his flock. Now think about this. He's got a lamb that he's helped to raise. Or that, that, he's, that he's tended to. He knows this lamb. He might even know it by name. And that, and that, little, that little creature, that little lamb is looking at him. And they're, they're them, them eyes, right? And we understand animals and we can grow attachments to that. And I don't, we don't understand the whole, the whole picture here, but it was real. It's a real lamb and it's a real shepherd. And when I tend to animals, I tend to, to get to know them a little bit. I tend to get to know their personality a little bit. And whether they're hard-headed or whether they're not. Amen? Just like us. Are sheep really any different? And here you got this little thing. He's got to shed the blood. What, what's that mean? He's literally going to slit its throat and let the blood spew, spew out over the altar. Now that's hard for us to comprehend that. But that was the sacrifice that was needed for God. To give the blood. What do you mean, preacher? Why are you talking about this? Why, why, is he, why are you so focused? Why are Baptists and Christians and everybody so focused on blood? Because God says life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. When blood is shed, it's a proof that, that the life is being given. Because without blood, you, can, you don't have life. The, your heart pumps blood to every part of your body. And it delivers oxygen and nutrients and energy and glucose. Some of you diabetics, amen. Glucose to all your cells. And your body needs that blood. There's life in the blood. Amen. 1 John talks about the blood of Jesus Christ would be. It says, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. God said in, in Exodus chapter 12, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Amen? We sing that song. That's not by accident. Life for life, blood for blood. Amen? And so here's this, here's this lamb, and its blood is being spilt upon the altar. It's disgusting. It really is. It's not an easy thing. It's not an easy sight. Okay? That animal has a stench about it. The blood has a stench about it. it. The blood stains. Maybe it even got on some of the garments and stained the garments. And here, then once the blood is shed, he literally puts it up into the fire and allows it to burn before the Lord. That's not a pleasant smell, is it? That's not a pleasant thing, but that's what was required. And the Bible says that Abel, in the book of Hebrews, of Hebrews 11, it said, by faith Abel offered Amen. that sacrifice. 
He did it by faith because this is what God required. That blood to be shed. It was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Another horrible picture of Jesus hanging on the cross. We say, amen, hallelujah. But we weren't there and looking at it. And seeing his life and that, that what was left of his flesh after it had been stripped by this cat of nine tails. And him hanging on that cross and trying, be suffocating as he was hanging there. Trying with excruciating pain, lifting himself up on the nail-pierced uh, feet to get a breath on that cross. And then after he gave up the ghost, that soldier came by and took a spear and jabbed it right underneath the ribcage. Right underneath it where it would go up and pierce the heart at an angle. And the Bible says the blood and the water came out. Like that, like that water that encircles that, 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 that bag around the heart, that water that's in there around the heart that came out. It's not a pleasant thing, but it's Bible and it's required. And God said, I will give of that for you. And Abel said, I will do this, Lord, so I can be right with you. By faith, he offered that. Now, Cain didn't like that too much. He's looking at this thing, and he's, he's smelling it, he's seeing it, and, and he didn't like, a, like it. Um, if you would take your, keep your finger here and go to 2 Peter chapter 2. I believe Cain spoke evil of this. Okay? In the, in the New Testament, in the book of Jude, we're studying that on Wednesday nights, and, and I encourage you to be here. Uh, I've enjoyed that study in my own personal time and looking forward to teaching it. And Jude talks, talks about Cain and talks about this. In 2 Peter here, it doesn't necessarily mention his name, but I believe it's speaking of this very same thing. Look at 2 Peter in the New Testament, verse 2. Excuse me, chapter 2, verse 1. Look what the Bible says. But there were false prophets also among the people. Even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Look at this. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. That word pernicious means ruin, loss, or brings about death. Okay. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. You see Cain here, and he's going, Abel, that's disgusting. That smells bad. That blood stinks, and it's staining the altar, and it's a disgusting, disgusting sacrifice before God. Look at what I have done. Look at these, these vegetables. Look at these beautiful flowers. Look at the smell of these herbs and these pleasant things from the earth. And I have arranged this. I have uh, uh, made this arrangement specifically for the Lord. And this is going to smell good. And it looks good. And I'm going to offer this to God. This is the best of my best right here. But that didn't please the Lord, did it? And that's the first man-made worship that we see in the scripture there. Man trying to come to God his own way. Think about every, every false Religion in this world, every false way has to do with works, has to do with good works, has to be with man trying to, uh, even the Jews, they got it wrong for a while. They were following that law and they're saying, well, I lived up to all these, these things and I dotted every I and I crossed every T and I've kept the law. 
That's good works. Look at me. Look at me. That's good works. Jesus said, no, I gave you the law so you'd understand you're a sinner. You understand that you can do nothing of yourself. Your, your works, your, they're as filthy rags. There's no righteousness in it. Not of works, lest any man should boast. There are people in this sanctuary right now that you've been good your whole life and, and you've done some great things. There are some ladies in here that you have done so much behind the scenes that nobody knows about. And God is pleased with that. But His purpose is not for you to earn your way into heaven. Works, good works are a good thing, but they come after salvation. We do not earn our way into heaven because if we did, then there would be some that are really shining bright over others before the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is not about you and me. It's about Him. It's about Him. And right here, that's what's being taught in Genesis chapter 4. That Cain, you can't do your best of your best. You have to, in faith, offer the sacrifice that I've told you to offer. Notice the text again, Genesis 4. The Bible says in verse 4, And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. Notice it says fat thereof. It's on purpose that it says that. The, the fat, it was a, okay, we think about, do you want to take a pig to the, to the butcher that's skinny? No, you want to take one that's fat, one that's ready to be butchered, that's going to get you a lot of food, right? Same thing with a calf or a, a cow. Same thing with a sheep, right? He's giving to God something that was desirable that he would have eaten himself. And he gave that to God. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. When I looked up that, that word wroth, it means to blaze. He was steamed. He was, he was smoking mad. I mean, he was hot. Wait a minute, why? Cain, if you would have just done it God's way, if you would have just submitted to the way that God told you, everything would be fine. But you don't understand. I gave him my best and he, he rejected it. He did not give respect to that. And it was the best of what I could do. It was the greatest. And it was so much far better than that which what Abel gave. No, 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 no. That's my sinful eyes right there. That's my sinful opinion. That's man-made opinion and man-made worship right there when I think that I can do better. Amen. Amen. Let's talk about church this morning. Do you think we could pack this place out in one or two Sundays if we just change the music a little bit? Turn this place into a movie theater? You with me? And we got, we got it happening in here. And we, we, we brought in some big names. Brother Shank, we brought in some big entertainers. We could pack this place out, couldn't we? We could, just like that. But that's not God's way. That's not God's way. He said, preach the word. Preach the word right here, even when it steps on toes. Look at that, I'm losing stuff, amen. Preach the word. Because that right there, it's the preaching of the cross. It's to them... That perish 
foolishness. They make fun of it. They mock it. But to us that are saved, it is the power of God. Amen? The power of God. That's what we're supposed to do. Preach the word. Sing songs of praise and worship to Him. Not songs that are going to make my body move up here on the platform. You with me? We're talking about music that glorifies my Savior, not my flesh. Amen? That's God's way. And so the world rejects it and says, I don't want to be a part of that. Then so be it. That's their way. But we're going to do it God's way around here. Amen? Amen. Because it's not a popularity contest. It's glory to my Savior. Mrs. Smith, that's what, that's what Pastor Don Smith preached for decades, wasn't it? That's exactly right. And then we're going to keep, keep preaching it right here. Because that's the truth and that's the Word of God. But Pastor John, you don't know how many people you could be reaching if you just did it a little differently. No. Because we wouldn't have the blessing of God upon this place. He would remove his spirit and his hand of blessing. And though we'd bring in the crowds, it'd all be for nothing. Tell me some of these mega churches. How many souls are they really seeing get saved every week? How many disciples are they making for Jesus Christ when they do it the world's way? It's not for him. It's for flesh. So the preacher could say, I had a thousand in church yesterday. Amen. How much did you have? I had exactly what God gave us because He gave the increase. Now praise the Lord. We still talk about numbers and hallelujah. And it's a blessing when more people come because more people have the opportunity to hear the gospel. But we ought not to settle in that thing and focus on it. Because that's God's, that's God's area. And I ought, not to, I ought not to be messing with that. Let's continue with the text. Let's keep going. And, and verse 6, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? He got mad. He got angry. God could see it on his face. And he's saying there's no reason for that. Verse 7, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Now, when I studied this and I saw this thing, man, a light bulb just went on. I'm telling you what, it's exciting. That word sin right in the middle of that verse, if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. This is a word of double meaning right here. Okay? The Hebrews use a, a, a the, the Hebrew word that is used for sin is not just used for sin, but that same word is used for the sin offering. You know what God's saying to, to, to Cain right here? He's saying, yeah, buddy, you, you, you've done it your way and you've messed up. And if you go out of here in your anger and in your way, there's great sins going to take hold on you. But at the same time, double meaning here, the same time, what's he saying? He's saying, Cain, there's a sin offering at the door as well. Amen. There's atonement for your sin. I've made a way that you can get right with me and you can ask for forgiveness of sin. I've made it possible that you can have fellowship with me and that we can be, you can be accepted in my sight and we can have fellowship. I've made it possible. When, when that word sin right there in the Hebrew is not just my sin is what I've missed the mark and done wrong, 
But that word sin means there is a sin offering. As soon as sin was introduced into the world in Genesis chapter 3, immediately God said, I made a way in faith, believe it. He said that he said to uh, to the serpent, very first thing that he said, dealing out the consequences of sin, he said, I'm going to give the woman a seed and it's going to bruise thy head. Praise the Lord. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Right? Come on. Oh, grave, where's thy victory? Paul said, God made a way and he had a plan for salvation far before we ever sinned. Because my God's all knowing that way. Praise the Lord. Now here it is. It's great application with this. Brother Shank, sin lieth at the door. There's so much application here. Now think about it. Some of us have a problem with anger, just like Cain. Some of us have a problem with anger, and when things don't go our way, we get steamed and we get hot and we get frustrated, and that anger can show its teeth. And what happens in our anger, what is that all about, really? What's the root there? It's our rotten, stinking pride is what it is. We think we're better than this, and we don't deserve to be treated that way, or we don't deserve to be not accepted, and we get angry. That's our pride. Yeah, I have it. So do you. Yeah. You know why we, we fuss and fight with people? You know why we have disagreements? You know why we bicker? You know why a husband and wife might have an argument? Because of rotten, stinking pride. Only by, only by pride cometh contention. Isn't that what the Bible says? Only by pride cometh contention. When we're wrong, we have two choices. We can get mad and upset and stick, dig our heels in and our pride, and we can stay in our own way. Sin lieth at the door. Yeah. Or we can get humble. We say, Lord, I messed up. And I accept that sin offering that you want, and I'm going to give that, Lord. I, I, Cain could have said, Lord, I've been wrong. Let me, take my, let me take my vegetables. Let me take some of my goodness of the, of the ground and I'll trade that with Abel and get a lamb that you want. And I'll take that lamb and I'll sacrifice that for your glory as a picture of the one to come. And in faith, I'll believe. And in faith, I will reconcile with God. Because God made it possible for me to do so. Amen? Amen. There's a bunch of people sitting in churches all across this world today. And they're doing that so they can be seen and they get a pat on their back and they can say, look at what I've done. False religion. Trying to come to God my own way. Well, I followed some man-made book and some catechisms or this thing or that thing or I went to the priest this many times or, or I counted this many beads or I said this many prayers and I did this many things so me and God were okay. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. The Lord Jesus Christ shed His blood on the cross for your sin. And when you accept that and say, Lord... Because you not only died, but you rose from the dead. I ask you to save me because you're the only one that can conquer death. 
You're the only one that can conquer the result of my sin, which is death. The penalty of it. The consequences of it. The wages of sin is what? Death. And the only one that can conquer that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Cain chose to not say that. You know what he did with his, with his, with his different offering, his fake offering, his, his false way, his good work way? He cracked the door open and God said, sin's lying right there for you. It's waiting at the door. You're either going to come my way and do it my way and live or you're going to go back your way, kick that door open and that sin's going to latch on and it's going gonna, it's gonna to ruin your life. Because of your rotten, stinking pride and your anger. But at the same time, that sin offering. Jesus said, yes, you're a sinner. But I've made a way for you to get right. Praise the Lord. I've made a way for you to get right. Oh, what... What can wash away my sin... Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen? Jesus said, I made a way. I made it possible. And when we're saved, we have access to the Father. And we have that Holy Spirit of God within us now and have fellowship with Him anytime, any place. Because Jesus Christ made it possible. Now let's, that, that's the text in which God gave us this morning. Where is it? We've got to make application now for us. How about you this morning? There might be somebody in here that you've attended this church a long, long time. It's possible that you could have attended this church a long time and not be saved. That's possible. Because coming to a church is, is a good thing to do. But it's not coming to Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church that saves your soul. Being an usher or giving money in the plate is not what saves your soul. Singing in the choir or greeting somebody at the door or driving a bus or whatever the case is not what saves your soul. That's man-made worship if you're trusting your good works. You're trusting what you can do. I love it when people take a ministry that's theirs and they own it. And they make it the best they can make it for God. But if you're doing that so God will save your soul, then you've done it all wrong. It's all in vain. You only get saved one way. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And if you want to be saved and you come and we take the Bible during invitation, just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come to an old-fashioned altar right here. And somebody will take the Bible and show you how you're a sinner, or the Bible says you're a sinner. How how what your sin deserves is, is death and hell, eternal death. But the Bible says Jesus Christ already paid it. And that if you choose, you can receive Him as Savior. Put your trust in Him that when your time on earth is done, He will take you to heaven and not allow you to go to hell. That's called salvation. It's faith in Jesus Christ. 
Now, how about you this morning? Maybe you're here and you're saved. You're here and you're saved. But sin lieth at the door. Careful. Heed the warning. Sin lieth at the door. And because of something we did this week or chose or whatever, that door got cracked open a little bit. And room was made for the flesh. You with me? It could be, a, it could be a, a simple TV program or something on the computer or on the phone that you got on your hip or in your purse. And it could also be a little flirtation at work. You with me? That stuff's real. And the devil uses that stuff to destroy lives. Sin lies at the door. You know what you need to do? You need to say, Lord, forgive me and shut that door. Get rid of that stuff. Just get rid of it. Throw it away. Lord, I'm not going to have that in my life because sin lies at that door. I'm going to go slam that door shut and ask for forgiveness of sin. Instead, when we don't do that and we make provision for the flesh, we make room for the flesh, the next thing you know, the door gets knocked wide open and we're getting the floodgates open right there with that sin rushing in on us. And you know what? When I make those kind of decisions, it affects my wife. When I make those kind of decisions, it affects my children. It affects my church. It affects the people I have influence on. Sin lieth at the door. And what comes of sin? Death. Let's choose God's way. Let's get saved and let's get right. Let's, keep, let's shut them doors the way of our flesh. And let's choose the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the message this morning, for the text, for the purpose. Lord, how dangerous man-made worship is. How dangerous it is, Lord, to try to do it our own way. God, there is only one way, and that is you. Lord, I pray, Lord, this morning that you'd help somebody here today that needs to get saved, that needs to choose you, Lord, that needs to say, I want to be a child of God because I'm not. Lord, maybe they put it off for a long time because people thought they were saved. Maybe they maybe they just never done it. And at this point, Lord, it, it seems a little maybe even embarrassing to the flesh. Lord, may we understand it's not embarrassing for somebody to get saved. It's a joyful time when people come to the Savior and say, I need salvation. Lord, help us not to risk eternity in hell. Help us not to risk eternity in hell. Help us to choose the Savior. Help us to choose what is right. And get saved. Become a child of God according to John chapter 1. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ that saves from all sin. 1 John chapter 1. Lord, maybe there's somebody here today that needs to just lay their sin right on the altar. And say, Lord, forgive me for for playing and and flirting with that sin. Help me, Lord, to put it away from me and, and, and shut that door. And turn towards righteousness, what's holy, what's right before God. Help us this morning, Lord. Sin lieth at the door. Both my sin and that sin offering, the ability to get right with you. I pray, Lord, we would choose this morning what is right. That we would humble ourselves before our almighty God and say, Lord, I want to get right. Help us now, please. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.